wanted to talk about fasting, actually. Fasting. So Trisha's testimony came right on time. Uh, I feel like uh, if... Oh, I just feel like the Lord is speaking about it. I feel like he's putting his finger on it. Um, because what is the Lord coming back for? A pure, spotless bride. One without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's not coming back for a compromised bride. He's coming back for a pure bride. And so we want to dig into this because um, lots of people will stay away from it because they're like, I don't want to be religious. I don't want to fall into religion and I don't want to fall into um, the the heavy yoke of doing something to get something. Does that make sense? That's not what the gospel is all about and that's not what fasting is all about either. I think some people sometimes will go into fasting when they're like, oh my gosh, I've got, I need a breakthrough. I need this from God, so I'll fast, right? <laughs> and often the Lord will move, but that's not the right motivation for fasting. So we just want to, I just want to teach into it, if that's okay. Is that good? All right. Let's look at this. Biblical precedent for fasting. All through the Bible, people fasted. All right? So here's a few. In 2 Chronicles 23, 20 verse 3, I should say, there was a king. His name was Jehoshaphat, and he was facing a battle. And he was, he was afraid. But it says, he set his, his eyes to the Lord and he called a fast to the, whole, to the whole people, to the whole of Israel. He said, we are all going to fast and seek the Lord. Right? So that was one. Another one, Ezra. Ezra was in a time of transition and he fasted to humble himself before the Lord and ask for protection for the journey. Anyone in a season of transition currently? Very good. Ezra fasted. Esther. Who knows about Queen Esther? Esther fasted to save her people, to save her nation. Daniel. Daniel fasted to repent on behalf of his people. He humbled himself be before the Lord on behalf of a whole nation. In Acts 9 verse 9, we see Saul, who just encountered Jesus. He fasted because he encountered Jesus. He didn't eat or drink for three days after encountering Jesus. The early church in Acts, Acts 13, 2 to 3, they fasted before praying and appointing and sending people off to ministry. 
One more. By the way, this is not an extensive list. This is just a few that I picked out. One more. Uh, John, I'm sorry, Luke 4, 2. Jesus. Jesus fasted. Why? Because the Spirit led him to. He was led by the Spirit into the desert and there he fasted and was tempted for 40 days. Can I make a suggestion to us? If you are going to fast, you do it at the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not because a pastor's told you to. Not because your best friend's fasting and you feel like it's a good idea. We need to fast. We need everything that we do in life. The way that we live our lives needs to be in relationship with the Lord, and it needs to be led by the Spirit of God. Those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So we need to be people that are moving in response to what the Spirit of God is saying, not just the latest Christian fad, okay? That is like the, the number one thing. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. It's His delight to lead us. It's His delight. All right. Why should you fast? <coughs> because the Holy Spirit told you to. <laughs> that's why you should. I've already answered that. But I have a little illustration, if that's okay. Okay. Do I have everything that I need? I don't have everything I need. Is in the bag. All right. When we were, when we made a decision to be born again, what happened? God took out our heart of stone and he gave us a heart of flesh, a heart to know him. And he removed our sinful nature and he gave us a brand new heart, right? I've got a brand new heart here. And, and it's clear. You can see through it. And it's blue because the Holy Spirit's on the inside. Can everyone see? We've got a pure heart. We've got a heart that's been joined to the Lord, a heart that's one spirit with the Lord, there's no sin in it. It's righteous. It's holy. It's blameless. It's above reproach. Right? This is who we become. Our spirits joined to the Lord. We live in a body. This is the body. And the heart sunk to the bottom because I couldn't make it suspend midair. We live in a body. Yes? And, and this part in between is our soul. We have a soul. The will, of the, the will of God is that what he has done in your heart would permeate through, through your soul and through your body and that you would learn how to become intimate with God and that he would fill you with his spirit. Oh, now I'm going to make a mess all over the table, right? So that, man, we've got 
we've got our beautiful born-again nature inside and our soul has come into alignment with the truth, right? And then our body follows suit. Our mind, our will and emotions are being renewed according to the word of God and we have a person that's communing with the Lord. But this is what happens. Do we live in a perfect world? No, unfortunately not. Who is the prince of this world? Satan, right. So by just being alive, we are going to be exposed to things every day that can pollute our soul. So we're we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions. What sort of things can pollute our soul? Have a think. What sort of things? Negativity. Does anyone ever encounter negativity in your job or on the news or in the radio? Right? So there's just a little bit of negativity. What else? Sorry? Lies. The enemy. Oh, he loves to lie. Loves to lie. What else? Selfishness. Yep, fear, what we watch, what we let in, idolatry, yep, yeah, there's lots of temptation in in the world, isn't it? There's lots of distraction, lots of things can, can get our attention. What about the people we hang around, the people that are speaking into our lives the most? right? That can pollute our soul. It can fill up our mind with things that may not necessarily align with the truth of God's word. What else? Anyone taken a walk around Casuarina lately? Like, (laughs) you'll probably hear things and and see things that pollute your mind, like it pollutes your mind. Is it holy? Is it pure? Is it beautiful unto the Lord? No, actually it's not, right? So we end up with this situation where like we're struggling because our minds and our emotions seem a bit polluted by the things of the world. And what's the truth about this person? Has this person lost their salvation Well, let's have a look. Oh, look at this. Still a pure heart. Holy Spirit's still in there. He hasn't gone anywhere, right? But this this person might find it really hard to hear the Lord because there's a lot of stuff in the way right? Because their soul is polluted with worldly things. Does that make sense? The truth about this person is that the Lord's called them to live above all of this and be holy, blameless and above reproach. He's called them to be righteous and set apart. But the things of the world have a way of sneaking in, even to a believer, right? (laughs) 
other things that can, can do this. Actions of others, what people say and do, right? They can pollute you. Sin, you partnering with sin. Man, whew, you want to like cause a bit of um, confusion in your soul realm? You just partner with sin. That'll do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> scrolling on social media, endless scrolling. That will pollute your soul. <laughs> this is why the Bible, this exact reason is why the Bible in Romans 12 verse 1 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's actually read it properly. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What are, you, what are we? Holy and acceptable to God, right? Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we ever find ourselves in this position where things feel a bit cloudy, where things aren't clear, one of the most effective ways to deal with this is to fast. What happens when we fast? We deny we deny our flesh. We, we put to death the cravings of our natural being. We deny our flesh. A proper fast is no food. I realize not everyone can do that all the time, so I'll talk about that later. But <laughs> a proper fast is actually no food. It's like, no, you flesh and soul, you are not the king of my life. Jesus is the king of my life. You are not going to rule and reign. Jesus is going to rule and reign. This body, this temple, this mind, my will, my emotions, Jesus is going to rule, right? And so what happens is you actually empty yourself of all of the yuck. We'll try not to pop the heart out at the same time. You deny yourself and you empty yourself of all of the stuff. The false comforts, the lies, the relying on anything other than God. You deny yourself, you empty yourself of the pollution of the world and, and you seek the Lord. You seek the Lord. Don't just not eat. You've got to seek the Lord too because he's there to be found, right? Fasting is removing all distractions to you seeking him, all distractions. 
you empty yourself and you meet with God. And in this state, you are hungry and aware of your need for him. When you're at this state, your flesh is crying out, I'm hungry. (laughs) And it reminds you, I need the Lord. I'm hungry for the things of this world, but I need the Lord so much more. Right? And as you as you seek him, as you draw near to him, what happens? He draws near to you. And he fills you to overflowing. Crystal clear, right? Clarity. Why do you hear God more when you fast? Because all the rubbish is out. All of a sudden, clarity. All of a sudden, his voice feels like a thunder. All of a sudden, I don't feel so compromised. All of a sudden, man. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. The pure in heart will see God. This is is what's available to us. The pure in heart will see God. You'll see differently. You'll hear differently when you fast. I'll put you there, out of the muck. We'll be separate. Jesus is not coming back for a compromised bride. He's coming back for one that's separate. And you know what? If you're... We're we're hurtling towards the day of Jesus' return. We are hurtling towards his return. And what's happening in the church right now, there's a shaking in the church globally. Not, I'm not saying our church is shaking. Our church is very solid. It's built on Jesus. Amen. Okay. Our church is very solid. But there's a shaking in the global church. And what's, what's happening? Sheep and the goats. They're being, disvi- they're being divided. Wheat and the tares. They're being divided. Why? Because the Lord's coming back. And he wants his bride, he wants his pure people that are set apart, that aren't compromised. All right. Praise God. It's all about, it's all about purifying yourself, really. He's done what he needed to do for us to have relationship with him. But then we need to do what we need to do to put off the world and all of the distractions and fully take hold of everything that he's taken hold of for us. Does that make sense? This is not a works thing. It's a, I'm going to put off the things of the world so I can take hold of everything that you have, Jesus. Right? All right. Let's um, read some scripture, hey? What happens when we fast? Number one, 
fasting chastens and humbles our soul. Psalm 69 verse 10. This is King David. And he writes, I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. Chasten means to discipline, purify, refine, clarify, improve, reset. That's a good word, isn't it? Chasten, I should have put that up there. I'll say it again. Discipline, purity, purify, sorry. Refine, clarify, improve, reset. Fasting is a discipline that brings clarification and insight. Fasting reigns in your soul. And fasting brings a sensitivity to the Lord. Because there's nothing else in the way. And if King David, a man after God's own heart, had to fast, how much more so <laughs> should we? Right? The ESV says, I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. Oh, humility is key. James tells us, the Lord opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Don't let yourself get proud. Please don't. Lucifer, he was in the throne room of God, day and night in worship, in God's presence. And it was pride that got him out. It was pride that made all this mess. We are not, we are not above pride. <laughs> It sneaks in so subtly. Be careful. I'm preaching to myself too. Be real careful. Be careful. Humble yourself before the Lord. The Lord gives grace to the humble. Second one. Fasting removes unbelief. Let's go to... Mark, Mark 9, no, yes, 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds the, his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And he answered them, 
O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Keep going. I'm going to read it from this translation. He answered him and said, oh, yep, read that. Uh, Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when they saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has been thrown both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Oh, let's just say that. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can believe and have unbelief. It's a real thing. Anyone been there? Yes. And the father cried out for his boy. His boy had been demonically possessed for his whole life where he would throw himself into the fire he would foam at the mouth can you imagine if this was your child and he's like I believe help my unbelief when Jesus saw that the people running together he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it deaf and dumb spirit I command you come out of him and enter him no more Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Hallelujah. And when he had come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can only come out, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Often we'll read that and we'll be like, oh, in order to cast out demons, I need to pray and fast. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, this kind, unbelief, unbelief. Unbelief comes out with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting gets rid of unbelief. Why? Because all of a sudden, I can see my big, big God. There's nothing in the way. There's not all the muck, all my emotions, all my mind making up excuses as to why God can't do it, right? I can see him really clearly. I can see how big he is. Because Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. All things. If there's unbelief in your life over a situation... Maybe it's time to fast. 
Just a suggestion. <laughs> don't hate it when you do face ID and it doesn't it doesn't open it. I'm like I'm the same person. <laughs> All right, number three. Fasting breaks the yoke of oppression. Amen, it does. Trish has a testimony. Yes, it does. Trish had an issue with depression. Can we celebrate that? I feel like we need to get better <laughs> at celebrating the amazingness of God. Depression is gone. Because Trish followed the, the spirit who suggested that maybe she should fast. And maybe unbelief left. And maybe there was a whole lot of clarity that came. And maybe there was the ability of Trish to actually believe what the Bible says is true. And then that, that thing has to go. Breaks the yoke of oppression. Um, Isaiah 58 this is a whole big scripture, which I'm not going to read it all for time. But basically, the beginning of Isaiah 58, the Lord is rebuking the Israelites for fasting in an inappropriate way. Basically, the Israelites were fasting um, to manipulate God. And the Lord wasn't happy about it. And they would fast to like look like they're doing the right thing. And then that very same day, they would treat their, their workers poorly and they would oppress people. And the Lord was like, no, no, no. This, is not, this does not please me. I will not be manipulated. I'm the king of the universe, <laughs> right? This is not how it works. And he said, in verse 6, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when when you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. His point was, man, when you fast, when you're one spirit with the Lord, it looks like something externally. And not only will it break off the oppression of you, it will cause you to be able to help others. You will then be used as an agent of freedom to help others. Does that make sense? Sounds very familiar to Jesus standing up in Luke 4 saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. What? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to pro proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blinds, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus didn't come to get us a fancy life. He came to set people free from the enemy, from the sway of the evil one. 
from oppression, from sin. What's his heart? People, setting people free. That's his heart. When you fast, anything that's oppressing you, will, it, will, it has to go. When you're in the presence of the Lord and you're continually filled with him and you're renewing your mind and you're, you're seeing him clearly, every oppression, everything has to go and align with the truth. And then that allows you to then be powerful on the earth and take his kingdom to others. Amen? Praise God. Number four, last one. Fasting helps you behold Jesus. And in beholding Jesus, you become transformed. It's really hard to behold Jesus when, you're, when your soul realm is muddy and clouded. It's really, really hard. The pure in heart will see God. <laughs> the pure in heart will see God. Just get rid of the stuff, guys. Get rid of the stuff. Get rid of the muck that's clouding your soul. Get rid of it. I want to see Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to see him? <laughs> 2 Corinthians three sixteen says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Hmm. As we behold the Lord, as we empty ourselves of all of the things that inhibit our, our ability to behold the Lord, we are transformed supernaturally into the same image from glory to glory, glory to glory. Hallelujah. What does fasting look like? Ask the Spirit of the Lord for you. He's going to have a different answer probably for all of us. There was a time in my life when I couldn't fast because I was breastfeeding. Or I couldn't fast because I had a medical thing going on and I wouldn't have been able to even do a day of fasting, right? In that time, the Holy Spirit had me doing, abstaining from other things. I couldn't abstain from food, but there were things that he told me to put down very strongly. So it's a conversation with the Lord. 
If you can do food, I advise it. If, if the Spirit of the Lord is inviting you into that, just start with one meal. You can just start with one meal. And instead of eating, instead of feeding yourself, you can feed on Him. You can talk to Him. You can seek Him. Right? But the Lord will tell you what's right for you. Are we good? <laughs> Hallelujah.